Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, it's the last book in the New Testament. The book of Revelation will be in chapter 2. Now, what is it that happens between the wedding day whenever a bride and a groom are standing there together, totally in love with one another, and later on whenever it seems more like a drudgery in marriage? Those of you who are married, those of you who have been married, may uh, relate to some kind of experience like this. Uh, I think it's common that, that as we're in our married life, there's, there's something that it tends to get more of a routine, a humdrum. Jesus, here in this chapter, comes to the, the Ephesian church and he rebukes them because they had lost their first love of Him. When we first meet someone that we're interested in, and, and like I, I can think of back whenever I first met Amy. When, when my wife and I first met, uh, we were in college together, and, and she became a little bit of interested in me, and I became a little bit interested in her, and I asked her out on a date, and I, I was so excited. Somebody was interested in me? Wow! Uh, I couldn't believe it. And after we went out on this first date, uh, we, um, we each had our separate ways to go. She traveled home to Kansas to visit her family, and I had a wedding to go to in, uh, up by Hannibal. And so we each had left town for the weekend. And when I drove back into town, I couldn't help but notice that I was arriving at the same time she did. I saw her truck that she was driving. She drove a, a Chevy S10 pickup at the time. And, and uh, when I saw her, I followed her. <laughs> and, and I followed her all the way to where she was going. And, and I, I said, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to go do something together? We, we, were, we just wanted to be, be together at all the time. And then um, later on, you know, um, it got to where... Uh, we were home. We we at our at each respective apartments, and um, we decided we were going to spend some time apart because we were just spending too much time together. And I I gave her up a call and I said, um, "What are you doing?" And she says, "I don't know. What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I think I think I'm going to go for a walk." And I I just wouldn't it be funny if when we were going on a walk, uh, I just happened to run into you? And she said, "Oh yeah, that would be really funny." So we both went for a walk walking in each other's direction so that we could be together. We, we had this warm affection for each other. We, were, we just wanted to spend time with one another. We know how it is. Whenever we first meet someone, when we first get married, things are warm and bright. And, but you know how it is whenever the routine sets in. And it's just not the same as it once was. And Jesus is, says that's the problem with the Ephesian church here that he writes to. 
I'm going to set the stage here. Jesus here is presented in chapter 1. He is uh, one who is he's coming to John. He, he, um, he has white hair. He's in a long robe with a golden sash. He, his eyes are bright like fire. He has a sword coming out of his mouth. He's holding st- seven stars in his hand. He's walking among the lampstands. And he tells John, write a letter to these seven churches. And he names the churches. And the first one of these churches is the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was um, one of the major cities in the uh, the, um, Roman Empire at the time. Uh, It's in Asia Minor. And um, it was a, a church that John probably spent a lot of time in personally. It was also only a few miles away from where John was being held captive on the Isle of Patmos. And Jesus comes to John and he says, write this down to the church of Ephesus. He says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you that you speak to us even now as we encounter you in the pages of Scripture. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear as you speak to us, and eyes to see. Father, let us have ears to hear. That is one of the things that this verse talks about. Lord, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us hear this morning what your Spirit is saying to us. Father, be with me, a weak, frail, Sinner, help me to be faithful to your word, to speak with boldness and compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as Jesus comes, he tells John to write this down to the church of Ephesus, and he addresses who he is first. He does this with each of the letters to the seven churches. As he comes to each church, 
He says something about himself that was revealed in the chapter before. We saw in chapter 1 how Jesus was one who held the seven stars in his hand and he walks among the golden lampstands. Here, Jesus points that out again. He talks about who he is. He says, from the, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his hand. The image is explained at the end of chapter 1. Those seven stars are supposed to represent the angels of these seven churches. And who walks among the seven golden lampstands. It's the, the end of chapter 1 says the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So Jesus, by the image of Him having the stars in His hand, He is in control. What happens there in those churches, Jesus is sovereign over it. He is Lord of the church. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and He holds the churches in His hands. And it says the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus is the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Here, we're to see that Jesus walks among His churches. That He is present with us in our suffering, in persecution. You know, this early church that was receiving this letter, they were, receiving, they were under persecution. Domitian was Caesar. And they were probably severely persecuted. And yet Jesus tells them, He walks there among the lampstands, among His churches. He is present there with us. And no matter how hard it gets in this life, He is there with us. Jesus gives some commendations to His church at Ephesus. And each one of these letters does the same kind of thing. Each one of them, He begins by telling them something good that they're doing. But in five of the seven letters, He tells something where they've missed the mark. Where they've fallen short. Where they have been deficient. And each time he closes by saying, let him who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, while this letter, this specific letter we're looking at today was meant for Ephesus, it says, let him who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So there's a sense, well, this letter was specifically for Ephesus, it was also for all of the churches. And by extension, while this was meant originally in its original context for Ephesus, it is meant for all the churches of all the ages. While there is one church, all those who Jesus has died for that are, uh, that are one and united with Christ, there is one church. There are many churches in its expression. And Jesus says this to His churches. And then He promises something at the end. In every single one of the letters, you'll see a promise for someone who overcomes, who endures, who keeps going in spite of the persecution, in spite of how difficult things go, he says, I promise to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Things get difficult. Things get tough. Jesus gives a promise to the one who overcomes. You get through this, 
You persevere through it all. When you have overcome, He promises to us to eat from the tree of life which is in God's paradise. What a great promise to keep us enduring, to keep us motivated, to keep following Jesus. Now the substance of the letter. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear those who are evil, but have tested them who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. You are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. These are all good things. These are commendations about the church there. They worked hard. They were enduring. While they, they weren't giving up under the persecution, but they kept on going, kept on believing. They were not denying the name of Jesus. They worked. They worked to show the love of Jesus to those who were around them. And also, not only did they work hard, they labored, but they also, they believed and cared about true and false doctrine. They, they, they cared about a distinction between what is true and what is false. They said, it says, you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call them apostles and are not. This is about false teaching. There were some false teachers that were traveling around at the time, and we read about this in 2 John. John wrote, the same, wrote that letter as well and probably wrote it to Ephesus. And he warned them to stay away from false teachers, these false teachers that would come and travel around. Here, he says they've done that. They have contended for truth. They've, they've determined what is true and what is false, and they've held fast to what is true. They held for doctrinal integrity. They had held for, for a life that, was, that worked, had works that demonstrated their faith in Jesus, but they had one problem. Verse, five, uh, verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you have at first. They had the right doctrine. They had the right works. They were zealous for it. But they'd lost their love. They'd grown cold. Is this what Jesus is saying to us this morning? We have the right doctrine. We have the right good works. But have we grown cold? You know how it is within marriage or, or maybe having a child. You, you remember the day that they were born. You can remember how you felt and, and the, the joy that you experienced and how you love this person, but then they get to be a toddler and you start to get tired of changing those diapers and potty training and drawing with crayons on the walls and You start to wonder, how long can I keep up with this? And soon you're longing for empty nest. Right? Our love can grow cold. Jesus doesn't want us to just go through the motions. 
He does not want us to just do the right thing because it's the right thing with have, with, and have no feeling behind it. He doesn't want us to just contend for right doctrine and right truth, but not have love. No. Jesus comes to the church and says, you've lost your first love. You ever been around a brand new Christian who just is so excited to tell people about their faith in Jesus? Seems like a new Christian can sometimes put us old Christians to shame. Because they can be so excited about what is new that has happened in their life. They found Jesus. And yet someone who has been walking with Jesus for a long, long time may just fall into doing the same old thing, walking through the motions. Where's that love that we had at first for Jesus? What is needed? What is the prescription when we have lost our first love? Jesus tells us. He doesn't just give us the diagnosis, but He gives us the prescription. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Jesus says, remember from where you have fallen. How do you, how do you get in touch with where you were when you first became a Christian? You remember the Gospel. I believe that it's not like we start with the Gospel and then move on to bigger and better things. How do we have our heart warmed to, to have a fire of love for Jesus Christ? We remember the Gospel. We remember that Jesus Christ, the God who had existed with the Father for all eternity as a Trinity, the second person of the Trinity stepped out of heaven, became a human being, took on flesh, and for you and me, went to a cross and died. Experienced whips and a cat of nine tails ripping away his flesh. A crown put on his head. Beat, mocked, spit upon so that we could be forgiven. And another thing that makes us appreciate how good the Gospel is to fire that passion of love for Jesus is to remember how sinful we are. We, we think of maybe someone uh, sinning against us, doing something, and we get irritated at, a, at something maybe little. But our sin is no little matter. How do we know how grievous our sin is? It costs the death of Jesus, the Son of God, so that we could have forgiveness. If you want to know how, how grievous our sin is, even the smallest thing, a little white lie, cheating on a tax form, whatever it is, it cost the Son of God His life. The Father turned His back on the Son. Jesus felt abandoned. He said, My God, My God, why have Thou forsaken Me? 
And he did this all for us. Do you want to revive the love that you once had for Jesus? Think about the gospel. Think about our sin and how much we have been forgiven. Think about what Jesus has done for us. We remember from where we have fallen. And we repent. We recognize that what we have done is wrong, that we have lost our first love, that we've just maybe been going through the motions and we turn away from what we used to do. Whether that is out and out sin or just coldness of heart, we repent. We repent. We turn away from it. We agree with God. That's what we have done. And we do the works we did at first. Jesus says, if not, if we don't do these things, if we don't remember from where we have fallen, if we don't repent, if we don't do the things we did at first to revive our love for him, this is what he'll do. He says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What was the lampstand? Chapter 1 tells us the lampstands are the seven churches. And Jesus says, if you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand. Jesus promised that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But that doesn't mean that any particular church will continue. And as Southern Baptists, we're a Southern Baptist church. For the last few years, they've been saying to statistically that 900 churches in our denomination have closed every single year. Now, we've been planting more than that, but 900 have closed so that we've barely been keeping up. And I've heard this year they've come out with new statistics and now it's more like a thousand. The prescription that Jesus gives. It's what the Bible says. It's not a new program. It's not stirring ourselves up in a frenzy. It's not getting ecstatic about whatever. It's remember where we have fallen. Remember the Gospel. Remember what Jesus has done for us. Repent. And do the things we did at first. Go back to the original mission. When a church first starts, we're on mission. We know we're here to reach this community. We're here to share the Gospel. We're here to worship. But we sometimes forget about our mission. We start doing things for ourselves instead of trying to turn outward towards the community and reaching people for Jesus. He doesn't end it on a downer. Verse 6, This you have. You, have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. This, this may seem like a little bit of a discord here. 
Jesus is saying it's a good thing that they hate something? And then he says, I hate it as well? What Jesus isn't supposed to hate, is he? But this is what the Bible says. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That was a good thing that the church was standing for. We don't know much about the Nicolaitans. The only place we read about the Nicolaitans is here in Revelation. There's this, and then later on in the chapter. I'm going to start back in 14. This is saying to the church in Pergamum, I have a few things against you. You have some who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, that they might eat the food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. So the only clue we have to what the teachings of the Nicolaitans are, they were tolerating idolatry or idolatrous practices, or they were tolerating sexual immorality. Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, you stand up for these things. But you know what? It isn't enough to just stand for a Christian sexual ethic if we don't love Jesus. If it's not motivated by a love, by a flame of passion for Jesus, for what He has done for us. Let him who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And finally, Jesus closes with a promise to the one who conquers. I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Jesus says, if you do what I've said, if you persevere, if you embrace me like you did at first and love me like you did at first, You'll be able to eat one day from the tree of life, have life eternal in paradise with God. It isn't an empty promise. It isn't just a hold on tight. It'll get better. No, He promises us paradise. The life we live now well, it's difficult while well, we face many different trials, persecutions. It doesn't compare to the glory we will have with Jesus one day. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.